is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. This is Pastor Rob Chambers of Reedtown Community Church in Newport, Tennessee. It is our earnest hope and prayer that something will be said or done through word or song that will be a blessing to your heart. I don't know if anyone else has noticed it, but I certainly have. Something that's been going on for quite a while. And I want to use this as an illustration tonight. The hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands of how-to books and tapes and CDs and DVDs there are out on the market today. It seems like no matter where you look, somebody's got a how-to for something. Now, there's one on TV that I'd like to have, that little homeowner's repair how-to guide. I saw a commercial on that. That looked pretty interesting. There might be some stuff in there that I could actually use and apply for things around the house. But most of these books and tapes and CDs, all they are is a, is a scam. They're just trying to take your money from you. It's a billion-dollar-a-year in industry. You've got uh, people who say, I can tell you how to uh, lose weight. Or I can tell you how to read better and comprehend what you read. Or I can tell you how to have more money for your finances. Now, I'm no genius, but I can tell you those three right off the top of the bat. You want to lose weight? Burn off more calories and exercise than you eat. I guarantee you, you'll lose weight. If you want to read faster, if you want to comprehend what you read better, read more. If you want to have more money for your finances, save more and spend less. Am I right? Those are common sense answers to things that people are paying millions of dollars for. But really, you don't even have to take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Ask God if you've got a question about how to. James chapter 1 verse 5 said, If any lack wisdom, let him come ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If you've got a question about what to do or how to, ask God. God will supply the answer in His Word. If we'll trust Him, if we'll seek His face. Now as a pastor, it is part of my job, part of the prerequisite, part of the requirements that God has for me to try to fulfill the role of how-to. People come to you, Pastor, how can I be saved? How can I see my children saved? How, how should we live? How should we do in this instance? And relying upon the Word of God, it is part of my responsibility to tell you what God says, how to do this or how to do that. But I want us to look tonight in the Word of God at probably the greatest how-to that you and I will ever read in our life. The most important how-to. Scripture that you and I should write upon the tablets of our heart and go over every single day for it is a key to our spiritual survival in the world that we live in. Now I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Revelations. I'm going to ask you to turn to chapter 12 of the book of Revelations. This is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. Love the book of Revelation. Love especially chapter 12 for what it contains inside of it. 
It is basically a synopsis of the spiritual history of creation. We're not going to read the entire chapter for the sake of time tonight. Most of you are familiar. I hope and trust all of you are familiar with it. You see in verse 1, A wonder in heaven, the woman clothed with the sun. God's people. God's people, the bride of Christ. You see not later on there in, uh, in chapter, in verse 3, and verse 4, the devil's opposition and his fall from heaven. You read a little further in verses 5 and 6, you see the victory of Christ and how the bride is driven out into the wilderness and you see God's divine protection that's put around God's people. You read a little further in verse 8. Oh, I love verse 8. I love verse 8. There was war in heaven, it says in verse 7, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven for them. The devil's already been cast out, but as we read in Job, he still had access. He could still come before God and make his accusations. We're going to see a little bit later on in, in verse 10 of this same chapter. But we see here in verse 8, when he goes and begins to war with his angels against God's angels in heaven, he's finally cast out from even, even entering in to the presence of God any longer. This isn't the final victory over Satan. This isn't the final victory over the adversary. That doesn't come till chapter 20. That's why chapter 20 is also one of my most favorite portions of Scripture in the entire Bible. But I get excited when I read chapter 12 of Revelation. Anytime the devil gets a black eye, Anytime the devil is defeated in any way, anytime God's power and supremacy over evil and Satan is made known, it thrills my heart. It excites me. You move from verse 8, verse 9, that old dragon, the serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world, was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And verse 10, oh my, verse 10. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God night and day. The name Satan means accuser. We read there in 9 through 10 or 8 through 10 we read there where finally his accusations come to an end. I don't know about you, but I know my life and what I have to deal with each and every day. From the moment I rise up in the morning, from the moment my conscious mind begins to take over my life, it is a daily hand-to-hand -hand combat and struggle with the adversary. Now, preacher, you must not be living too pure and clean a life if you're always having to fight the devil. On the contrary... On the contrary, those who don't have to struggle against him, those who will never fight with him on a day-to-day -day basis, he's got you. He don't have to worry with you. He's not all-powerful. He's not omnipotent. He can't be everywhere. He's not God. He doesn't worry about the ones that he already has control of. He goes against those who he doesn't have in his pocket. God's people, God's children, the things of God, the things of goodness, the things of life. That's where he spends his time, his effort, and his energy. And the Word of God says 
The accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. He went before God and accused Job. If you look over in Zechariah chapter 3, he accused then the high priest Joshua. He stood and made accusations against him. They stood and they accused Jesus. False accusations. He stands right now, right now making accusations against you and I before God. We've not yet got to this point, place, and time in history where his accusations cease, where his uh, ability to come into heaven is done away with. But we're close. But we're close. Until the time comes when he's no longer to make accusations against you and I, there are some things that you and I must do. Verse 11 of Revelation 12 is the greatest how-to ever recorded for human eyes to see, human ears to hear, human lips to read, human minds to process. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto death. That verse is important enough for us to read again. He made accusation against God's people day and night, still doing it. But verse 11 says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. Three ways, three things, the how-to for you and I to stand against the accuser. Notice what it does not include in God's Word. Not by our might, not by our power, not by our intelligence, not by our works, not by anything that you and I have done, are doing, or will do is included in the Word of God. You and I are not even mentioned in that verse. What does that tell you? That tells me that my hope the only hope that I have is through Christ Jesus. When it begins to mention the testimony, whose testimony? The testimony that I give is of Him. I don't give testimony of me, I give testimony of Him. We're going to look into that here in just a moment. The very first one, the very first one, what does the Word of God say we must do? The first how-to to defeat the accusations of Satan, we've got to overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. Period. The blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ spilled at Calvary. Go to Romans real quick with me. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. If you begin reading in verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some will even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet in our sins, in our transgressions, lost, undone, without hope, as far from God as we could possibly get on our way to a devil's hell. Christ died for you and I. 
As he hung on the cross at Calvary, he looked down through the eons of time and he saw you and I in a horrible, miry pit of sin. And he said, that man, that woman needs a Savior. They need something they cannot provide for self. You read a little further. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Let those verses sink into your mind and your subconscious. Let the Word of God reach in and touch your soul tonight. While we were enemies of God, we were reconciled by the death of His Son. God said we were enemies to Him. God said we had no hope. But in His infinite love and mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, He reached down and pulled us out of the horrible, horrible pit that we were in. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. Paul. Love to read the letters of Paul. Wonderful, wonderful, thrilling, thrilling words that Paul uses, the imagery that he paints. But I tell you what, there's times when I want to go to Peter. There's times that I want to go to Peter. Peter the fisherman. Peter the uneducated man. Peter that didn't have flowery speech. Peter that didn't have all the know. Peter that the only thing Peter knew was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You look in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, Peter said it wasn't silver or gold that bought you. It wasn't anything of value that redeemed you. That's the word that Peter used. And we've talked about the word redeemed before, to be bought or exchanged. Not silver or gold, but we're redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The Word of God says, period. End of discussion, no debate on whether that's uh, a slaughterhouse religion or whether that's old-fashioned or whether that's, that's, that's too outdated for modern. That's what the Word of God says. Without the shedding of blood, there will be no remission of sin. But you and I had a problem. Our blood was not pure. There is no amount of blood that you and I could shed, bleed, or give that would redeem us. Instead, the Master exchanged His blood for ours. He came down and died on Calvary, shed every drop of blood that He had in His divine, holy, wonderful, beautiful body to redeem mankind, to make an exchange, our souls for His death. Our victory for His suffering. Our healing for His stripes. 
Does that not thrill your soul tonight, child of God? Does that not make every hair on the back of your neck stand up? If it doesn't, I would run to this altar. I would run to this altar if the very mention of the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't thrill you to the place where you can't hardly control yourself. The blood of the Lamb. What was the next step in the how-to to defeat the accuser? The word of testimony. The word of testimony. Don't misunderstand and think that it's anything you and I say or do. It's not us. It's not us. It's not how many times we say it. It's not who we say it to. But it's who we say it about that matters. The word of our testimony. If you begin to look through the word of God, our testimony is supposed to be unceasing. In Isaiah 62 and 6, God says, I've set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. That's for you and I tonight. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus had crossed over the sea and he'd cast out the demon out of the Gadarean. The man certainly wanted to go with Jesus. A man who was finally found clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of the master when Jesus went to get back in the boat and leave. He wanted to go with him. I want to go with him too. I want to go too, Uncle J.D. But just as he told the Gadarean, no, not your time. He tells me the same thing, not yet. But he did, get, he did give him the command in chapter 5, verse 19 of Mark. He said, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. He tells us the same thing. Go home and tell everybody. Tell your friends what God has done for you. Tell them how God has cleaned you, how God's purified you, how God's made a change in your life. We're supposed to testify when they're among the assembly of the saints. We're supposed to testify when we're in the house of God, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, says Ephesians 5 and 19. We're supposed to do it without shame and without fear. 2 Timothy 1 and 8 says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul says it best in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for every man that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You and I should not be ashamed of it either. Every opportunity... And an opportunity I mean by every person that we see or talk to during the day, we should mention Jesus to them. We're commanded in 1 Peter 3, 15 to be constantly ready to give a testimony. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready, he says. 
What are we supposed to testify? What are we supposed to testify about? I don't know how to testify. I'm not able to. I'm not good with speaking. I'm not good with talking. I don't know what to say to people. Paul answered the question. David answered it in Psalm 66. He said, come and hear, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. Use Paul as an example. What did Paul testify about? When Paul was chained to the centurion as he was drug around under arrest, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I can't wait to get to heaven and see how many Roman soldiers got saved by Paul. By Paul's testimony. Can you imagine being chained to Paul 24 hours a day for an extended period of time? You have to be saved. You could not get saved. When he stood before Festus, when he stood before Felix, when he stood before the magistrates of the towns that he went to, when he stood before the low, the weak, the lame, the sick. What did Paul say? Paul said, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Paul said, Jesus saved me on the road to Damascus one day. Paul told him about the great... Read the book of Acts and count how many times Paul told of his conversion. Every time he goes somewhere, Paul tells him about how Jesus came down and saved him. That is the second thing that you and I must do to defeat the accusations of Satan. We must continually, daily, everywhere we go, give utterance to the fact that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Proud. Not sinful pride, but pride in the Savior. Pride in the fact that He washed us and cleansed us and made us joint heirs with Christ, not through anything of self, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. And thirdly, Revelation tells us, they love not their lives unto death. Love not their lives unto death. Paul said, for me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said, now I can't understand how that's a bad thing, Paul said. I kind of put that in my own modern day translation, but that's, that's the gist of what Paul said. Paul said, I can't understand why it would be a bad thing for me to be absent from this body, because if I am, I'm going to be with the Lord. Right. Paul said, and that's good. Yes. Paul said, I long for that. Paul said, I'm torn because I want to go home to be with the Lord, but I've got to stay and give my testimony and be a witness for Him. Paul said, I'm torn between the two, the desire to serve and the desire to go home. Turn to Philippians with me, chapter 3. The book of Philippians, chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Paul in this chapter was talking to the church at Philippi. And he said, if anybody has right to brag about human, physical, rightness, correctness, Paul said, it's me. Paul said, I was born into the kingdom of God, into the family of God and the Jews. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and it's touching the law. He said, I was a Pharisee. 
concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law. Paul said, I was blameless in the law. But he said in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul said everything. Paul said I did everything the way it was supposed to be done. He said I was blameless in the law. He had a bright political future in the sect of the Pharisees. The sky was the limit for where Paul was going to go on the route that he was on. But one day on that road to Damascus, Paul's plan for his future changed. Paul met the one who is the future, who is the present and who is the past, who is all in all the great I Am. He met Jesus on that road that day and Paul said from that day forward, he said it was all lost for me. Paul said it all was worthless. It was nothing in comparison to my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. He said everything that I have, everything that I was, everything that I will be is Jesus. And that's all that I want, Paul said. We talked about it this past Sunday. That's why Paul said, in whatever situation I find myself, I am content. Because Paul knew that wherever he found himself, he was there because his God and his Lord placed him there. That was a man that was in the perfect will of God. And brother, when you're in the perfect will of God, you can be content. Wasn't satisfied. No, 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 no. He wasn't satisfied. Paul wasn't satisfied until he went home to be with the Lord. But he was content. He was content. He was content right up to the very moment when the headsman removed his head from his body. He was content when he stood before Felix and Fest. He was content when he stood before Caesar himself. Brother, the Bible don't say anything there about Paul standing before Caesar. Paul appealed to Roman law and Roman rule to go to Rome to talk to Caesar. Paul stood before Caesar. I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall then and heard what Paul talked about. I know exactly what Paul told him. Paul told him, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Paul told him just exactly what happened on the Damascus Road. You and I, if we're going to stand against the accuser, if we're going to persevere into the end, we must... We must do these three things. It's going to be by the blood of the Lamb. The blood applied to our lives. Every sin under the blood. Every single sin cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We've got to stand giving our word of testimony. Our testimony of praise to God for what He's done for us. And we've got to love not our lives unto death.
We've got to love God more than anything else. We've got to love Jesus more than wife, more than husband, more than home, more than children, more than country, more than reputation, more than life itself. As I said before, the accuser still rails against us. I'm standing here right now with the Word of God open before you. Trying to the best of my poor meager abilities to preach the Word of God. And I can almost hear him right now. He's shaking his finger and I can almost hear the cackling, barking laughter out of him. He's in the back of my mind nagging. Trying to tell me how you sit down and shut up, son. Nobody's listening to you. Just sit down and shut up. You can't do that anyway. Who are you? He's trying to bring up the things of my past life that I had done when I was out in sin that God said he'll forget, but the devil didn't forget. He's accusing right now. He's accusing right now. He's doing the same thing about you. As the Spirit of God is beginning to speak to you, beginning to woo, beginning to move, beginning to stir within your soul, He's making accusation on you as well. He's doing everything that He can to draw your attention away, to move your focus off of Jesus, the one where all attention and love and honor and glory needs to go. In closing, turn with me to Revelations. Back to the book of Revelation. But go to chapter 2 this time. Jesus' own words in Revelation chapter 2, the last part of verse 25, He said, Hold fast till I come. <laughs> Hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my words unto the end to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. And I will give him the morning star. Hold fast until I come, and I will give him the morning star. Who's the morning star? That's Jesus. Hold fast. Hold fast. Hold on to what I've given you. Hold on to my word. Hold on to what the man of God is telling you, that it's only by the blood of Jesus Christ, that it's only by the word of testimony, and it's only by not loving your life unto death, by giving your all for Jesus, can you stand against the accuser. That's what he says when he means hold fast. He doesn't mean just sit down on the pew, cross your legs and your arms and just wait for Jesus to do anything. He meant hold fast. He meant stand. There's an old spiritual song we shall overcome we've got God's promise there but that's not all we'll overcome if you flip on over into Revelation the 21st chapter verse 4 we can quote this one by heart God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away. There's not a one of us in here tonight 
doesn't know what pain is. From the youngest to the oldest. We know physical pain. We know emotional pain. We know spiritual pain. We hurt. There's not a one of us in here hasn't cried yourself to sleep at night about something. Some situation in your life. Some relationship in your life. Some trial. Some storm in your life that's upon you. We're very familiar with these things. We're familiar with sickness. Even the youngest of us in here are familiar with death. Seen it, experienced it. <laughs> we shall overcome. We shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. And by not loving our lives unto death. We shall overcome. If you'll do these things. Happy are you. The words of Jesus. If you'll do this. Happy are you. If you refuse to believe. If you refuse to accept God's word, if you try to do it your way, if you expect to get there through another pathway, another belief, another experience, whatever word you want to put it in, whatever phrase from this new age garbage that's out there today you want to use, if you try anything other than Jesus Christ and the word of God, you will not stand. You will not overcome. You will fall. I love you tonight. I love you with all my heart. I want you to overcome. The love that I have for you pales in comparison to the love that God has for you. He wants you to overcome. Jesus wants you to overcome. The Holy Ghost of God wants you to overcome. That's why He gave you the Word of God. That's why He gave me this thought on my mind to share with you tonight. He wants us to overcome. Now, I don't mean to stand up. Ladies, come to the piano, please. I don't want to stand up here and try to scare people. But when God gives a message about overcoming that tells me that there's something not too far down the road for us to overcome it may be in individual lives it may be something that the church has to face as a whole I don't know what it is but when God gives a warning about something he does it for a reason he does it for a reason he would not have put this upon my heart for me to give to you tonight if he didn't think it was necessary, if he didn't know it was necessary. He knows what's coming. He knows the future. Somewhere out there, there's something facing all of us. It's the accuser wagging his finger, making accusations to God. My, how I look forward to that day 
when those accusations cease. When in chapter 20, he's bound and defeated. Forever and forever and forever, he's cast into the lake of fire with death, hell, and the grave. I long to see that day. I pray to God for that day to come quickly. And I praise him every time that I pray that prayer. Lord, thank you that I'll get there. I'll be able to stand there and watch. I'll witness it. And I'll praise my God the whole time it takes place. But until that time, until that time, you and I have to stand against the accuser. None of us here would go to court in a million-dollar lawsuit and not have a lawyer. Would you? We wouldn't, be, we wouldn't know the language. They'd get in there and start talking, and we'd look around, and we wouldn't know what they were speaking. It might be English, but we wouldn't know the words. We cannot stand against the accuser. But God knew that. That's why he gave us an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, in his blood at Calvary, our testimony, and loving God more than life itself. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we sing tonight. If for whatever reason the Holy Ghost has spoke to your heart tonight, whatever the need might be, I hope and trust everyone here has been saved. Everyone has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord professed Him as Savior, King, Master of their life. But I don't know your heart. I can't stand here and make that assumption. If you're here and you don't know Him in the free pardon of sin, you have a no defense whatsoever against the accuser. None. He can do with you what He wills. But you have a way of escape. You have the option, you have the gift of God, Jesus Christ, and salvation. You're here and you've grown cold and indifferent on God, you've drifted away. That hedge is gone. The safety that comes from being a child of God is gone. If you separated yourself from God, it's gone. You don't have the advocate until you first come back and redo your first love. Come back and seek God. Seek Jesus. You're here, child of God, and the accuser is wearing you down. Through some way, shape, form, or fashion, something in your life, he's wearing you down and you're on your last legs. Come talk to Jesus. Have your strength restored. Have your faith increased. Whatever the need you have in your life, right here, now, tonight, can be met right here through Jesus Christ. He can meet the need. Didn't say He'd change your circumstances. I'll never stand up here and tell you that. He can if He wants to. He can if He wants to. But I'll tell you this. Just the simple glory of His presence will overshadow every circumstance of this life. They won't matter anymore. 
you don't believe me, try me. Try me. Come meet him. Come speak to him. Come confess him. I guarantee you I'm not lying to you. As we sing, if you have a need tonight, come. Let's pray. We hope that you've enjoyed our podcast presentation. If you would like more information about the church or any additional podcast, please join us on the web at www.reedtowncommunitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. That's spelled R-E-I-D-T-O-W-N, communitychurchpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you and God bless.